All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. How is everybody doing out there? Seriously. L.A. was insane the last few days. And I've seen rain. But this was special. This was torrential, apocalyptic, unending, seemingly unending. But I uh, I loved every minute of it. I, I seriously loved every fucking minute of it. It was crazy. I mean... I'll take water over fire any day. Even yeah, they can both be destructive, but uh, I'll take water. I'll take water every time. And we need the water. I don't know where this puts us in terms of drought or what have you, but uh, I have to assume that groundwater meets something. I have to assume that the ground uh, water increased. I don't know. Uh, it's amazing how little I know about almost everything. Yet I will... Uh, I'll make assumptions, but I'll be clear to, to not cite them. I'm assuming that we got some water over the last three days of unending rain. So listen, Austin Butler, I talked to him today. He's the uh, best actor nominee for playing Elvis. You've also seen him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in one of the funniest scenes ever on, on camera, which I talked to him about. Uh, and also if you're of a certain age, you know him from a bunch of Nickelodeon and Disney channel shows like a lot, but boy, that scene with Brad Pitt, <laughs> I get, I laugh just thinking about the scene with uh, Austin Butler and Brad Pitt and once upon a time in Hollywood, I almost, after I talked to him, had to watch it again, just to, I might have to watch it again. I really uh, enjoy that movie. But uh, so he's on the show. That's happening. But I'd like to thank everybody, I guess, is what I'd want to do and acknowledge something. Uh, at the beginning of the month, I talked about an Iranian comic named Zainab Musavi. She was arrested in Iran for telling jokes about the government and the police, and she was sentenced to two years in prison after already spending a month in solitary confinement, a comedian for talking about the police and the government. Now, we were told that the uh, most effective thing anyone could do was raise attention about Zainab because the Iranian government doesn't like when things get noisy. Well, I am here to tell you that we were told last week that the government has thrown out Zainab's prison sentence and we were told that the only reason they did not put her back in jail was because of the media attention. She is still barred from doing stand-up comedy again, but she will continue to make videos on Instagram. Now, look, this is pretty astounding stuff and reason to stay engaged, which sometimes I, I, I fight. But I was happy to have the focus and I just want to say that everyone who took the time to boost Zainab's story on social media helped keep this woman out of jail. Something that only takes a moment of your time can be the difference in securing someone else's freedom. Crazy, right? But true. 
There are still thousands of Iranians in prison for speaking out against the current regime. Uh, two were told about are Tumaj Salahi, a rapper who is in solitary and faces execution, and Fatime Separi, a woman's rights activist who faces an 18-year sentence for saying the Supreme Leader should resign. Put their names out there, people. We will post them on our socials and do this whenever you learn of political prisoners in Iran. Zeynep is proof that you can make a difference just by saying their names. This is where it's really happening, where people are on the killing block for what they say. That doesn't happen here, no matter how much people talk about being canceled or what they can or cannot say. But it happens there. The government has people on death row for speaking out. It's fucking crazy to even think about. So look, um, there was a blackout from the rain and the lights are out in my house for, uh, for a couple hours. And I lit some candles and I sat there with the cats who were a little freaked out, which surprised me. Just sat in that silence of, you know, a couple of pieces of equipment somewhere in the house beeping because they were uh, dead. And uh, I just you know, realized, like, well, I've got no power over any of this. And so many people in the world live compromised lives because of, of either, you know, poverty or, or bad infrastructure or shitty government or they had some of them right here in this country, you know. And I just sort of sat there in the dark to try to get a handle on, you know, what I was feeling, how I was thinking. I, you know, I don't meditate anymore, but I saw it as sort of a time for like, not meditation, but just sitting there in the sort of a mild terror of uh, the reality that everything could go away. And I just sat in that for a minute. You know, just destruction. So many places in the world, so much destruction. And I somehow just accepted that reality and chose to kind of be, all right, well, be aware, you know, step up if you have to. But Jesus, man, I mean, is the shit in my fridge going to go bad or what? It's so always amazing to me when the macro overwhelms the micro is your lifeboat. And it's easy, I guess, on some level to, to keep both of them in your mind at the same time. I, I find that lately I've been almost totally detached from cultural news, global political news. I know vaguely what's happening, but I've sort of pulled a good part of my brain out of the electricity of the culture wars and political tribalism and uh, sort of rampant insanity. There's nothing incendiary in my brain about the world other than a sort of fucked up acceptance of how fucked up it is. I mean, this rain was just rain and it's hard not to frame horrible weather as some uh, indicator, which it probably is. But I mean, I assume it's rained this hard before, but it was pretty hard and it was pretty cold. I know there's chemical spills. 
I know that, you know, China and Russia and the Ukraine, I know, I know, I know. But I don't know that there's anything I can do about it or that any level of my understanding of any of those situations is going to shed new light on it because I don't know fuck all. And I'm okay with that right now. I'm going to embrace it. Look, I saw the Elvis movie and I liked it. You know, since I've seen it and I've brought it up to people, some of them are like, ugh. And I'm like, what? It was a hallucination. It was a meditation on the idea of the life of Elvis. It was beautifully shot and, and multi-layered and interesting. The idea that it was sort of shot from the, the colonel's, you know, corrupt point of view. And, you know, and that was sort of coming up against Elvis's sort of uh, force of nature being. I kind of liked the whole setup. And there is no doubt that this guy, Austin Butler, fucking nailed this thing. And I'm not a big fan of biopics, rarely, especially when they're of, uh, about someone that everyone knows or you have a, a recollection of. It's hard, man. The best of them are not great at it. Do you know? I mean, do you know what I'm saying? It's hard to portray a real character, especially someone like Elvis. But I got to be honest with you, by the end of this fucking movie, I couldn't tell the difference between the footage of real Elvis, real sad, almost done Elvis, and fake uh, Austin Butler, uh, sad, almost done Elvis. Could not tell the difference in the shots at the end because they were they showed both. And I just thought that he he manifested the spirit of that guy. Not easy. Jamie Fox as Ray. Yeah, Ray, Charles, and Elvis, hard to not make caricatures of them. Jamie did a great job with that thing. And I think that uh, Austin Butler really nailed Elvis. And I think he was great in a couple of other things. Well, primarily, primarily that once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah, I got to bring that up, man. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. So Elvis is now streaming on HBO Max. And this is me talking to the star of that, uh, of that movie, Austin Butler. What are you, how are you doing, all right? I'm doing well. I'm is doing it, well. It's a whirlwind, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, are you yeah, in the middle of it or towards the end of it? Or is it picking I up? I mean, we're, we're towards the end of it. But yeah. I, I've never talked about one film for so long. It's been about a year now that we've just been... So now know. how do you... Uh, how do you uh, not say the same? It's like I've done that shit, oh but obviously God. not uh, as big a film. But eventually you just find some things you can say over and over again. And yeah. then you'd say to yourself, like, fuck it. You know, what, 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 <laughs> yeah. is, what does it matter if I said the same thing to e-television <laughs> as I did to e-television Latino? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I noticed myself prefacing so many things with, I was just saying this. You <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Otherwise, you end up with that thing where you're saying the exact same story well, over and over. Right, but then you, you realize know. that that's part of the job. They don't want anything different than that. No, it's not like no. someone's sitting there comparing, like, you know, I watched him on these two yeah. uh, minor television outlets, and he said pretty yeah. much the same thing and once you start trying to mix it up that's why i end up 
I'll start going down a rabbit hole and realize I got no idea where I'm going with this. Yeah. And this is getting bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? You're like, a, me, me and my big ideas are trying to keep it fresh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so true. It's man, so too, Leslie is incredible, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. You're so great in that. Oh, thanks, You're buddy. You're so fantastic. Yeah, I, I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have to play uh, uh, a real person. So, <laughs> so the pressure was off, kind of. It's a different type of pressure. It, it is. It, is. it was, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. that, I think I, I, it was an evolution for me, you know, to, to, to do that role, you know, yeah. and not just be some version of a, you know, cranky Jewish guy, <laughs> which, I, which I am. But, I mean, that's the challenge of it. But I, is Austin... Your, is this your real name, dude? Yeah, yeah, it is. That's like you have to live up to that name. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. My parents had some idea when I was a kid. But, yeah. but it's like one of those, like, it's it's a traditional, almost like movie star name. I, like Austin I, Butler. It's timeless. You know, you could be like, yes, Austin Butler was popular during the silent era. <laughs> I love hearing you say that. When I was a kid, it didn't feel that way. Well, yeah, you probably felt like last it. name Butler. I used to get made fun of as a kid. Like what? But because it's got the yeah, it's got my last name's Marin. You know what I got? What'd you get? Moron all day long. <laughs> <laughs> so Butler. What? So you got Butler? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Kids will lean into anything to make fun of you. Yeah, that seems okay. But I mean, yeah. it does seem like a, kind of a cowboyish name. I mean, where your parents? Where are you from? Where are they from? Well, so my my grandfather was a cowboy. <laughs> my grandfather. Right. Yeah, yeah. His. Uh, he was born in Texas and then moved to Arizona when he was, I think, five. Mm -hmm. And my great grandfather, his dad, was a he was a butcher, and then he ended up buying a bunch of cattle and, and so, going right to the source. Yeah, he tired of cutting other exactly. people's meat. Yeah, so he went right to the source. <laughs> and so my grandfather and his brother, whose name is Butch. Yeah, and he he just passed away recently. Really, sadly. but but yeah, um, my uncle Butch is uh, that was that's both, the butcher. That's that's the butcher's son. Okay, that's the that's that's uh, my, oh, so gran great my grandfather's brother. Yes, yeah, so my great grandfather was the butcher, and then his both his sons ended up roping cattle and becoming cowboys. So that so it's there. So I mean, like, was that a consideration in the naming of you? I, I mean, Austin I think Butler. So. Well, Butler is one of those. I guess it's like maybe English name, but it does sound mm -hmm. like on those Texan old Texan names. Is that where is it your patrol, pat, paternal lineage? Yeah, yeah. it's ah. it's it, so my 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 father's father. Goes back you know. to Texas. Yeah, it goes back to Texas. And where'd your where'd your dad end up? My dad was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and Phoenix. Then, and then he moved up when he was uh, before high school. Yeah, they, they moved up to Northern California, Santa Maria. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. You know that, where Santa I kind of do. That's where they. Uh, that's where is not. It's the Santa Maria tri-tip. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So my grandfather makes a mean Santa Maria tri-tip. I, I know that place from the rub, yeah. the popular uh, oh, yeah. Santa Maria yeah. <laughs> rub exactly. that, that you yeah. put on the tri-tip. Yeah, I've can, made it my, before. Yeah, sure. It's tasty. Like, it's like paprika, yeah. garlic, onion powder. It's very specific. Yeah. That, that, but it's that, good. That, but is there like a place up there that, that, I don't know if you would know, but is there a place that originated? There must be. I, I'm, I, I've got to ask my grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> so, but he does make a Santa Maria tri-tip? Yeah, yeah. Is he, he still around? He is. He is. Wow. He's uh He turns 80 this month. And that's your dad's dad? My dad's dad, yeah. Well, you're young. That's right. Yeah, but they also had my dad really young. My grandmother had him when she was 16. Wow. And my grandpa was, was that on purpose? 17. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I've always assumed so. <laughs> but uh, but uh, wow, that is yeah, young. Yeah, very young. Well, that well, it just young. means you got him still, right? Yeah, yeah, which I'm very grateful for. So- and so you grew up where? 
I was born in Anaheim, California. Yeah, see, that's a nebulous kind of. What is Anaheim, California? What is it? It's Disneyland. I know and, that, and but it's like nothing, not right? Much else. A lot of suburbs. And, yeah. You know, I I just I mean, childhood was like riding my bike a lot. You know, yeah. I rode my bike through the neighborhood a lot. Right. So, and your dad did what? My dad was a commercial real estate appraiser. Oh. So uh, yeah, he. he oh. Yeah. He, was he on he the was, level? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, buddy, let's yeah, yeah. just don't, don't talk about the pipes. How much should cost you? Yeah, exactly. This thing's ready to go. Yeah. And what yeah. did your mom work? Yeah, my mom. She, before I was born, she yeah. was a dental hygienist. Oh. And then, uh, and then when I when she was pregnant with me, she decided that she wanted to be a stay at home mom. So then she started doing daycare out of the house. So oh. when I grew up, I always had little kids in the house because my mom would watch. She ran a stuff. business? Yeah. Uh, I, I, having the kids from the neighborhood yeah, over? Yeah, yeah. Do you have siblings? I have an older sister, five years older. Five years older? Yeah. That's a big gap. Yeah, kinda. so I, w- I was like uh, her little doll, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, as a kid. Yeah. She, she just loved having a little brother. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's fun. So you had all these kids over that you kind of d- knew or didn't know? Yeah, yeah. And they were mostly the children of the teachers who lived who who worked at the school where I I went to elementary school. Oh wow. So yeah. my my you know kindergarten teacher, my mom watched her son. Okay. So he ended up becoming my best friend and still so that, not still. Oh. Not I mean I I still have a lot of love for him but we don't talk very much anymore. Yeah. But, Do you have any uh, of those people in your life from way back then? You know, I wish I did. It's weird, I right? Really? Do you have people from when you were a kid that yeah, you still Yeah, one, with? one or two. Like I I mean that I'm actually in touch with. Yeah. 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 Well, I got one guy that I've known since 3rd grade. Wow, and that's out in Jersey? Or? No, that's in Albuquerque. I was born okay. in Jersey, but I grew up in New Mexico. Oh, but really? I got that guy. I got Dave. Okay. And I got, I got a, yeah, but I think, well, and there's another guy that I met in fifth grade that I'm still okay. in touch with. Yeah. You know, we don't hang out all the time, but oh, I, I, you know, they're still in my life. That's so cool to have that. It's weird, yeah, you because know? we're old as fuck now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> if you don't see him in a while, you know, you kind of, yeah. all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, if you look like that. <laughs> <laughs> what does that I say about be, me? Yeah, I must be heading the same direction. Yeah. <laughs> but they're holding up. Yeah. So how do you get out of Anaheim, man? Man, I, I was uh I had a stepbrother who who got scouted at a fair. Who's a whose kid is that? So that, my mom got remarried. My parents were divorced when I was seven. That's young. And uh yeah. And then and then she got remarried a few years later. And um I had a stepbrother who he, uh, his, his dad was a hairdresser. Oh, so it's not your mom's kid, it's his yeah, kid. No, it's, yeah, it's his kid. Uh, and so then after my mother left that husband, yeah, she didn't really have a place to stay. It was a very, it, 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 rough. the divorce went very quickly and it, it was a, a situation that was really awful that yeah. just caused my mom to say, we got to get out of the house. So we got out of the house and, and moved back with my dad. And so we, we all stayed in this tiny little apartment. It was a one-bedroom apartment. My dad and I slept on air mattresses in the living room. Wow. And, and my mom and my sister slept in the back room. And they were, so I guess they were relatively friendly? Yeah, yeah. They, they became like siblings, you know, which Your was parents? really- Your parents? My parents. What there, a there trip. Was no, so, yeah, it was really sweet. It, so, was, it was kind of amazing how they handled it. So the second husband was a monster? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and she had yeah. to escape, and she took you guys. So you were primarily living with her, and now you're all back in the in the family house on yeah. the floor with yeah, your dad. exactly. With getting dad. closer. Getting closer. In some weird way. Yeah, yeah. And you lived like that for the rest of... Well, we lived like that until we all moved up to Van Nuys. And, and uh, so when I was about... As a family? Yeah, as a family. At about 12, 13, <laughs> yeah. we moved up to this house in Van Nuys. Yeah. My parents were not romantic at all. 
But they were living together. My dad made the garage into a room, and he stayed there. And then my mom and my sister and I stayed in the house. And my mom had a boyfriend, and it's you know, it was it was crazy. this wild experience. And yeah. did your dad see people, or was he just a weird garage guy? Yeah, he was sort of a. <laughs> he, he he's the kind of guy who doesn't mind living in a in a, in garage. a garage. He's just he finds the good in life, and uh huh. Um, and he's got his passions and different things. And it was nice because then we could eat breakfast together as a family. But they were weren't romantic in the slightest. But they were friendly. They were friendly and yeah. so everything was okay yeah it was okay but so you didn't but you knew it was kind of weird right yeah it's definitely not the your <laughs> when average you, when family you, when you got friends <laughs> going like why is your dad sweeping in the garage <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah how'd you explain that you know he, yeah. he just when you meet him it kind of it makes, it makes sense. sense yeah he's kind of a hunter s thompson sort of a guy oh yeah know? now he lives in arizona he's got land out there and a bunch of dogs what part he's in uh He's about an hour west of Phoenix. My brother uh, had a wife from there, and I had a wife from there. Yeah, oh, really? I, I know really? Phoenix. You know Phoenix. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's I, hot I, there in the summertime. It's getting hotter, dude. Yeah, it is. It's like, and it's like that kind of heat that you don't quite feel until you can't breathe properly. And yeah, it starts to burn your lungs. Right, you have no liquid left in yeah, your body. Completely like, dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I kind of like it. Kind of yeah. makes you feel buzzed, you know. It does. It does. Yeah. All right. So you're out there in Van Nuys, but but in terms of the acting thing. Mm-hmm. That was your stepbrother. Yeah, yeah. So, and and he ended up not really going into acting, but but he he his dad was a hairdresser, so he he got a perm. He, he always wanted a perm, right? So his dad permed his hair, and he had this really, uh, you know, unique like, look. Oh, really? And uh, like and, wavy or like? Yeah, uh, I mean, he essentially he, he was a kid who wanted an afro, but but he couldn't. Uh, <laughs> It, you know, it wasn't yeah. natural to him, sure. so so he got so a perm, and and uh, and it didn't to... turn out quite right. And, no, <laughs> and he had, he he had a very interesting look, and so he got scouted and um, for being weird. Yeah, for for just having this unique look, <laughs> right, you know. Right. And yeah. and then so I went up with just tagged along when he was going up to this audition in L.A. When when we were, I think we, I was eleven, maybe. Yeah, and uh, and they said you got another kid. He he should he should do it too, and. I was so incredibly shy. Yeah. Incredibly introverted. Yeah. But for whatever reason that day, I said, yeah, I'll do it. Fuck it. To audition? Yeah. Yeah. To, to audition. And yeah. What I found out was it was actually a background talent agency. Oh, okay. So I ended up, I ended up getting extra work. <laughs> Good job, kid. Yeah. Stand over yeah, there and don't say in the anything. Background, don't say a word. <laughs> you know, yeah. just, you're going to be blurry in the background. Right. Um, but okay. that's, that's how I got on the first set that I was ever on. And, and what and was the movie? That was, uh. That was this Nickelodeon television show called Ned's Declassified. So this was your yeah. let me I, before we get into the you know the 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 weird Nickelodeon Disney universe. Yeah. So how are you doing with the losing the accent? <laughs> this I hear about it so much. I really uh, you know I don't even know how to talk about it. It's I spent three years doing nothing else but. But, but Elvis talk just yeah just just trying to understand his mind and yeah. and speak like him and yeah. sing like him and um so it, it might it was, be you might be stuck it was such an incredible focus <laughs> in on in one direction right as well as the fact that being a shy kid yeah having you know the tools in order to get on stage as Elvis yeah i had to learn certain bits of myself so i think habitually certain things are linked to a feeling of being able to go out in front of a ton of people. So I think certain things may trigger 
you know that it's, it's that like it's like some sort feeling of, of confidence that I had as always. It's like the opposite um, of uh, of PTSD. You know. you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're triggered to be Elvis in certain situations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's a funny thing. But well, I was um, thinking about it because, like, I swear to God, it I don't I don't know that Pacino ever shook Tony Montagna. I, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like I saw him do American Buffalo in Boston when oh, I was in man, college. I'm so bummed I, n- I didn't get to see. It was that. great, but but it was like only a few years after Scarface, and I'm like, he still got a little Cuban going. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I believe that he yeah. had it going all the way through Scent of a, of a Woman. There, you yeah, can see yeah. Tony you in can him see it. until later, until he plays Kevorkian and he starts doing those mm, weird character roles. Yeah, yeah. But but anyways, well, well, I just luck. rewatched Heat the other day, and you see, oh the my same god, thing, you know. How, yeah, it, uh-huh. I mean, some of it's Pacino, but some of it, like, there's a a, a a kind of weird confidence that he definitely got from Scarface. Well, because that's the thing. I mean, you... Good movie, it, though, right? It, oh, I such love a good it. movie. I talked to uh, Michael movie. Mann. Oh, God. It was great. It's an amazing film. It holds up so well. He's a character man. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah, he's got some vision, man. Yeah. Did you... Have you... When was the last time you watched uh, Thief? Oh, man, I just put that on my list because Dude. I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Dude, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's Tuesday World and- Yeah, and, and James Conn. James I Con. talked to James Conn before he died, yeah. and that, oh, that was man. his movie, man. That, he really? loved that That one. was his favorite. Yeah, his yeah, yeah. So what were you going to say about Pacino? Did you well, well no, it's, it's just that thing where you, you, it's only ever you, you know? You, yeah, you, no, right. You're, you're turning up bits of yourself. And sure. You're, you're manipulating the architecture over your own mouth. And right. So it, it's, it's a strange thing because you're finding different bits of yourself. Sure. And then suddenly now you're going out into the world and yeah. those are now bits of you that you've become right. comfortable with. Sure. And so to, it's just, a, it's a, well, it's what a strange it is, is thing to like, sort of talk y- about. Well, uh, you put this thing in place and you, the bits of you are running through the mill of that. Yeah, yeah. Right? So you, you, you engage whatever your craft is and you create this thing and then like, and then your emotions come through it. So I, but the triggering idea is funny that in certain situations because of your shy nature, like yeah. if you ever are called upon, you know, even at a wedding to, yeah, to sort yeah. of uh, sing a song or do a toast, <laughs> yeah. they might get Elvis. <laughs> so it, it's possible. All bets are off at this point. It's not intentional. <laughs> no, I, I get it. <laughs> you'll, see, you'll see. But is it, yeah. well, you now know, I'm actively really trying to not because people have just mentioned it so many times, and I really have to think. Right now, I don't think I have a southern accent at all. No, it's, I think it's it's slight and it, and it comes you know. and goes. But I just think it's the nature yeah. of it because you were, you know, it, and the truth is you did a good job with him. So well, so yeah. no one's, like, I think the difference would have been is like, that guy really fucked up Elvis. Oh, God. I, I imagine, imagine that. that you yeah. wouldn't be doing it too much. Yeah. But I think that because everyone's like, how'd you get so Elvisy? And you're like, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also, like, you know, I'll tell you, man, as a guy who was a child actor, it's better that the, the only repercussions you have of that life is that now you might talk like Elvis for the rest of your life. Like there's a whole generation of these child actors that really did far better than the one generation before you. Cause mm-hmm. it was, remember it was always sort of like a sad tale of the child actor. Like how'd he turn out? And then yeah. be like, Oh no, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, but like it, all the, all the, all of your guy, all the people of your generation, they seem to be doing okay. Well, I mean, thankfully, you know, you had people leading the way in that i mean uh, when i was a kid looking at leo's career i just yeah. seeing how he transitioned from being a young actor to then in the movies. directors that he was working with in film so you were conscious of that so when you start well let's go back so you're you're in the background at nick mm-hmm. and then how do you how do they pull you up they're they like yeah. that kid I, well, they, they would they there was a second AD who yeah. worked on this one show named named Vince Duque, yeah. and he uh, he ended up 
you know, taking me under his wing a little bit and saying, you know, read Stella Adler's book and read this and read that. And oh, really? He started giving me acting books and different no things. No shit. And then he started saying, you know, watch these films. He told me to watch Dead Poets Society for the first time and that sort of thing. And so he was really pivotal in my life as far as kind of showing me a direction of going, there's an art to this. Yeah, wait, well, what, what do you think... What was it about you that made him see something? Do you, I mean, were you? I, I, I don't know. My mom was very, she, she people just loved being around her. Yeah. She was like that oh, okay. really yeah, yeah. vibrant energy. Yeah. And so I think that just her being on set kind of. Drew attention it, to drew you. attention. And then, and then I, I really loved it. You know, I, yeah. I didn't have very many passions as a kid besides playing the guitar. Right. I would stay in. I didn't really like hanging out with other kids. I didn't like playing sports or anything. You a good player? Um, guitar player? Yeah. yeah, I can play. Oh, yeah. I can play a bit. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Like, are you being, like, humble? I mean, like, are you Glenn Campbell I mean, good? Or I, you... I, I go through Glenn Campbell. <laughs> yeah, he, fucking... he can pick, man. Dude. It's true. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. dudes that you don't even realize, like Jerry Reed. It's like, oh, what yeah, the fuck? Yeah. It's incredible when you hear that, isn't it? <laughs> I know, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, at that at that stage, I was playing mostly Hendrix and BB oh, yeah. King, and you know, I what was, was your first electric? The, my first electric was this Yamaha from Costco. Oh, good. Elec and, oh, yeah. And then I got a Stratocaster. So Strat guy. And then I, because I was such yeah, a Hendrix, Hendrix fan, yeah, sure. so I got this Cream Strat. That, and oh that's yeah. I played. And then and then I got a Telly, and then I. Were you in bands? Um, I was never in bands because because it was again being around people, you know. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm the same, but yeah. I, I don't know that. I don't think I got so you, what did you play by yourself for most of your life? Because yeah. you said that you were playing with yeah, other I played by myself. Now. Yeah, now I'm fucking yeah. almost sixty. Wow, wow. <laughs> but but you know, I would play. I just had a fear of uh, stage. You know, kind of like yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I for me, and maybe this is one of the reasons why you can't quite shake the Elvis is that to me, singing and being on stage in that way. Mm. is the most vulnerable place i can't oh yeah it to me it's terrifying terrifying like to, to start singing and fucking that up yeah. wait like where do you go where do you go <laughs> yeah completely completely so i just yeah. avoided it dude yeah yeah and i know exactly what you mean that i mean that's that's the thing when you're i get very introverted when i'm myself right most of the time i, I think I, I do too actually you do too yeah, but like when I right when I get around people though, I'm like I turn on, you know, it comes I'm excited. Yeah, I yeah. like people. I like people. You know, I like going to the party. Yeah. I like, you know what I mean? I don't like not being invited. Yeah. But when I, I'm fine when I'm home. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm you, fine when I'm home too. <laughs> and I can, you know, yeah. I I don't know if I would say I'm quiet, but I I'm I I, I don't know if it's introverted. I I don't like but I think my nature is is softer than, you know, what lives out in the world, mm. you know? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but so this guy gives you the books. Yeah. So he, he gave me the books and then, and then on top of that, then he would say, you know, he also started saying things. He started giving me backstories for extra work. Huh. So he'd say, okay, well, so, he's really so giving you, you, you got a crush on this girl over here and you want to go talk to her. And but, so suddenly I'm in, I'm in the background of a shot, but I've got you doing ideas work. You got, and, and I'm, you're making I, choices. I'm suddenly going to my locker and, and these things mean something to huh. me. And it started giving me this feeling of excitement about learning about what is what is this thing acting what a trip that guy's just yeah. giving you uh, an acting course completely as while, a background while, while kid. i'm doing background and i'm just blurry in some orange shirt walking through the background but you're um, thinking like how can i talk to her yeah yeah completely <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then he and then he he sort of fought for me to get a little line on the show or something so then suddenly I'm, i've got more of a featured part in this yeah 
And then one of the actresses on the show, her, her mom and, and my mother were, were friends, and she said, you should meet her manager. And so that's how I got my first manager. Huh. Um, and, yeah. and this is when you're living in Van Nuys? Yeah, yeah. Then we lived in Van Nuys at that time. And then you become like this dude on all these Nickelodeon things. Yes, then it was it was Nickelodeon, Disney. Then you work your way up to young adult TV shows. But it's the whole world. Like you know, I didn't grow up with it. I mean, you know, because I don't think it really existed in the same way when I was a kid. You know, there yeah. were three kids shows. You know, when I was a kid. Okay. So you know, by the time you're doing this, yeah. there's a whole kid networks. Yeah. And look, and it looks like you did like just a shit ton of, you know, kid TV. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they just move you around. Ago. Yeah, you just go to hundreds of auditions and then hope to book one but within this universe yeah but and didn't they at, at some point get to know you you know once you start doing real yeah. characters at nickelodeon weren't they like well we know this kid yeah Can you, you start wait, to kind of put the letter jacket on let's see you do the <laughs> yeah the funny thing was playing two different roles in the same show you, you did there's a show called zoe 101 and yeah. I, I played one role yeah of this dorky kid and then, right and then i sort of started to go through puberty and then i came back and then i was zoe's boyfriend on the show no one said anything later. like you just sort of, <laughs> no. they're like the kids aren't gonna know yeah, they, they won't know he's a completely different person now <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. when do you feel so through all that you're building confidence just being on set because that's half of it right yeah it is like you know just you know like either you've got that thing that can do it or, or you don't. Mm. That's the weird thing about acting as I've grown to talk to people and in my own experience. It's like you can't explain mm. why somebody can like on action lock in and mm. do the thing mm. without looking like self-conscious or yeah, not being able yeah. to talk. Like there are people that like you do that even if they took 20 acting classes mm. or rather like they're still going to not be able to do the line. Yeah, yeah. It's almost a genetic thing. Yeah. But like once you're on set, if you have that thing, you don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. It's, it's true. And you start to learn those those different tools, you know, yeah. that, that help you in that way. And it became really freeing for me because then I, I was able to suddenly express bits of myself that I was repressed in other areas of my life. You like know? what? I, anger. And, oh, and, oh, yeah. And... Uh, you know, vulnerability in certain ways huh. that, that maybe I would I would sort of hold that in and suddenly now this gave me a, a forum in which I could, you know, start to release these things. Right, were well, you just really... a kid sitting home playing guitar by yourself? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Were you, you going to, this is probably your whole social life. Completely, yeah. <laughs> so, I felt like I found my tribe, you know? Yeah, you and, found your tribe and you could like actually have human emotions through fictional <laughs> characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's wild. It's, it's interesting. Who is it? Who are the people like that you came up with that you know we know that you you were friends with anybody? Well, I'm. I mean, you know, the, it's it's interesting because so many of them are either not acting anymore or they've is moved back to Texas or Georgia or wherever. Really? But I mean, certain people like Selena Gomez or or Miley, what she's doing. Are you, you friends know? with her still? Yeah, I'm, we don't talk much, but I, Selena and I talk more often than fucking Miley's Miley. a powerhouse. Dude. She's a powerhouse. Jesus, man, man. I can't she's, take she's it. Incredible. I can't. I want to get her in here, I, but you know, my buddy manages her, but I'm not oh, going to yeah. pester her. <laughs> oh, she she'd be great. With but you. she's a trip, man. I mean, yeah, it's such a. I'm so I'm so impressed with her. Like when you see her sing, you're like, holy yeah, shit. And yeah. the charisma thing, it's like, yeah, what is that? Yeah. Where does that come from? Exactly. And like, and just the sort of self-ownership. Yeah. It's she's, crazy. She's so, yeah, empowering. Yeah. You know? All right. So those are your those are your peers. Yeah. And you're starting to feel confident. But what's the role, and be honest with me, where you're like, it's okay if it's silly. What's the first role where you're like, I'm doing it. I'm like really doing this. <laughs> I mean, man, it, it, there's there's so many there's so many of those transitional Come points on. in your life. I know, I know, but you I know. want the first one. Was it in iCarly? Was it? <laughs> <laughs> what was it? I mean, 
Uh, geez, you know, Zoe 101 was the first time I was a I was a series regular yeah. on the show, and you got to do two guys. Yeah, and I got to do two guys. Yeah, yeah. I so mean, that was a big break. <laughs> yeah. That was a big one. That was that was a that was a pivotal moment. And then yeah. I I went off and shot this film, the first movie that I ever shot. What was that? I went to New Zealand and shot this film called Aliens in the Attic. Who directed that? John Schultz. Directed How was that, that experience? Did you feel like, uh, you're like, I'm Leonardo, man. I'm doing it. Man, I mean, and Aliens in the Attic. I'm in New Zealand. Not because of the content of the film. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, they, they don't kind of leave anything yeah, sure. to your imagination. Uh-huh. Um, but it's funny because I'll think that nobody has seen that film because it bombed at the box office. Sure. And then suddenly some some. 20 year old yeah. or something will say you know I grew up with that film you know I watched it on Blu-ray and wow. <laughs> how'd you even get it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, uh, right yeah, you must have had to get that on the black market or something um, <laughs> there's always a few yeah there's always a few that, that have been with you the whole way yeah yeah yeah, yeah so that I, I mean I shot that in New Zealand for six months and my mom got to be right there with me the whole was, time that must have been great it's a blast it's, it's a pretty blast. right so beautiful but you were close during Elvis. You were close to New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, close. I, I never went over there during that time. Well, but. yeah, it's kind of, I've, I've never been to New Zealand, but I've been to Australia. Yes. I, once you're in Australia, you're like, well, I made it here. Yeah. To, can I not fly <laughs> for a little while? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> took me yeah. a day to get here. No, yeah. So I just want to stay. It, ultimately, it just you know keeps going. You keep working. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, just, and you're just getting better. When was it, uh, some other lead roles? Like I don't, I don't know these movies, and I'm yeah, sorry I mean, to say that, but no, it's Sharpay's uh, Fabulous Adventure. <laughs> I don't have on Blu-ray. <laughs> you haven't seen that film? <laughs> Come on, it's a classic. <laughs> Maybe that kid who's a big fan of Aliens in the Attic oh, has Sharpay's Big Adventure too. Oh, geez, it's so funny because <laughs> you, you try to do your best with every role. Yeah, you, know? you really, of course. you really try to. I would coach on every role and oh, really, really? Just, uh, just you know break down the script on every single thing, mm-hmm. no matter. Or what it was but it because it's it's like nails on a chalkboard when you when you do a scene and you just go i just butchered it i was awful and you drive home in the car and you think why didn't i do this why didn't i do that yeah well, you why wasn't fit- i truthful in that moment so that's what would keep me coming back so much you know just oh, trying really? to figure oh, out how yeah. do you get better why why yeah. did that beating the shit out of yourself and yeah. why did why did the director <laughs> sign off on that yeah why did they let me right why did they place? go cut like you know yeah. i can't know because you don't want to be that guy i think i can we're done we're moving yeah, on i can do no, better. No, i can Fuck. Yeah, yeah, and then you just look at it and like I could have just turned. Why didn't I just turn? Like, yeah, we, yeah. yeah. You, do you have that after days on set? Well, yeah, but I mean, have it like I just put out a comedy special, and like I can watch that thing, and I've been running that material for a year and a half, mm. and there's just like little beats where I'm like, I just like would have been so much better if I just I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I've been doing it. Man, the blessed unrest that keeps us marching. Whatever is that from? That's this Martha Graham quote. You know, Martha, she, yeah. She, yeah, so, the choreographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has this great, great quote, and the, and the end of it is talking about art, and it says, "The blessed unrest that keeps us marching and makes us more alive than the others." Sure, that, that's you know, right. It's, a it's, very, a very poetic way of saying pathologically insecure. Yeah, you're never satisfied with <laughs> yeah, 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 anything yeah. that you do whatsoever. It's a, it's a glorious way to look at self hatred. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I need to get that tattooed on myself. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. All right, so. Okay, here's a couple questions because I mean you weren't really on my radar until uh, until uh, the uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and uh, and honestly, this, that is one of the funniest scenes in the history of movies. Oh man, when when uh, <laughs> you, you and Brad Pitt, <laughs> you say like I'm the angel. What is your line? I'm the devil, and I'm here to do the devil's business. <laughs> no, that wasn't it. Yeah, <laughs> it's something stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I love what he says. You were on a horsey. <laughs> it is yeah. so funny, dude. Yeah. It's like the and that, funniest. And those were lines Brad was just coming up with at certain points. You know, I mean, he is, he's so funny. He's oh, no. He's so yeah. brilliant, man. <laughs> no, you yeah. were on a horsey? Yeah, you were on a horsey. No, it's dumber than that. <laughs> what does he say? Yeah, it was Rex. dumber than that. Yeah. Rex. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So funny. So God. let's. Let's talk about this horseback riding. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Did you do all of it? Did you? Yeah, yeah. That was all me. I, you were riding off. Yeah. Because yeah. that's one. Of, uh, that's I. I don't think we've ever seen a riding off on a horse better. <laughs> oh, that's you really, cool. You just kind of yeah. let it happen, and you were really fucking going. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is that just that you learned to do that, or did you, were you on your grandfather's ranch at some point? <laughs> yeah. So when I was a kid, my grandpa used to stick me on a horse and just spank it on the ass, and and I seriously. I'd just, take off in know, phoenix in phoenix and and um and then i did this show when i was 23 in new zealand again um called uh, the shannara chronicles yeah and so i rode a lot of horses in that yeah and uh, i trained a lot for that um but then when i first you know met with quentin and and uh and when we talked about yeah doing this uh he he sort of pitched me this whole idea of this yeah. this horse experience you know really? of, of me racing this horse going back to try to find brad after he hits clem right and uh and so i trained like crazy and, and we had this amazing horse master named scott yeah um who i would go riding with at, right in the uh sort of you know the burbank equestrian sort yeah. of area we ride yeah. up into the hills there and we ride four or five hours a day every day and you're running those horses yeah so i i just i got to the point where i felt so comfortable and uh and when we shot that sequence yeah we were we were meant to rehearse it beforehand because I'd never ridden that that road and what you can't tell is that the first part of that is on concrete. Oh really? Yeah. Which is dangerous on a horse because sure. there's not much traction. Yeah. And then there's that sort of steep decline. Right. Line right. We just down the, down, down the hill and yeah. then and then down Spawn Ranch. Yeah. And uh, so we were going to do a rehearsal and then Quentin showed up and and we're shooting on film. I'd never shot on film before, and suddenly he he's there and and he said, you know, should we just shoot the rehearsal? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the stunt guy goes, you know, go half speed. Do not go full speed. And I thought, I got Quentin Tarantino in the car. Bob <laughs> Richardson's there. Yeah. There's no way that I'm not going to go Do as it. fast as I possibly can. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I went as fast as I could. And, and they used that I, take? I think we only did two or three takes. Wow. And, and I, 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 we may have even done, only done two. Because I, I think the second one that I said, I said, Quentin, I got an idea of like, like using the reins to whip the horse sort of to 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 kick sure. it up heavier you know that old cowboy thing yeah. so so then we did that on the second take and that yeah. was the one that we used that's it yeah you didn't really shoot where spawn ranch was did you no no right. because that had burned down yeah yeah but uh it clems into leslie oh yeah yeah he is he is <laughs> i punch him you do punch him poor guy gets punched in every yeah, movie he's in he does he does he's got one of the greatest laughs doesn't he yeah it's it's he's infectious. got a presence that guy he does what's his name james landry herbert wow three namer yeah yeah Great I, name. I yeah i did it uh yeah i, I hit him I, I don't know how i i you know i got a little one guy said i didn't throw the punch right but i think i threw it okay i thought it looked strong thank you oh, thank you i thought you threw a hell of a punch <laughs> Yeah, I'm you real been training fight. for that? Totally, man. Yeah. It took days with days. a trained boxing guy. I yeah. had flew in from uh, the Bronx. I had a boxing. Oh, wow, guy. No, wow. No, <laughs> but uh, so before that, did you move into Hollywood? How long did you stay over at your folks' house? So, so yeah, we we all lived in Van Nuys. Yeah, and then um, and then 
when I was about 17, 18, yeah. my dad moved to Arizona. Oh, right. My And then at that point, basically the guy who owned the house that we were all living yeah. in needed to sell it. Sure. And we were renting his house. So, yeah. so, so we, we suddenly had to find a new place to live. At that time, I decided to move out on my own. My, my uh-huh. dad moved to Arizona. My mom got in her own spot. And then um, shortly thereafter, I, I, I booked this job called The Carry Diaries that filmed in New York. Oh. So I moved to New York for the first time. For how long? Um, we did two seasons of this show. And so, you were just so about every episode, I, series regular? Yeah, yeah. And that was a Nickelodeon show? No, that was a, it was on the CW. Oh, yeah, a, I remember the CW. Pre, it has a prequel to Sex and the City. Really? Yeah. By the same people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, by some of the same people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and so we shot that show. And that was the first time that I'd lived in New York. How was that? the greatest time and it changed my life why because i theater wasn't a part of our life out here you know yeah, it's, it's LA, hard to find it really it's have, around you have the geffen I, I did a play at the geffen yeah um and that's the only other play that i'd done but then i was in london and i mean in new york yeah. and and suddenly was was watching 14 plays in two weeks you really? know if, if i had time off i would just i would watch every play that i could possibly and that's interesting see. because you grew up you know, in front of a camera, you did, there's yeah. no, like you didn't even do scene study. Well, I mean, I did that in classes. Oh, you, you did? Know? You took yeah, classes? Yeah, I took a lot of classes. With who? With uh, Howard Fine and Larry oh, yeah. Moss. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, out here, yeah. Yeah, and then I started working with Terry Knickerbocker and uh, Sher- Sharon Chatton out here. Oh, so you really did the work and then? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I worked with a lot of people and I would, I would try to find whoever the actors were that I really admired. And find out who and trained And find out who they worked with. So Sam Rockwell worked with Terry Knickerbocker and I found him. Or yeah. Larry, uh, Larry Moss worked with Hilary Swank and with Leonardo and that sort of thing. So I would find the people that they worked with. Yeah. And just start because I always wanted to go to an acting conservatory. Right. And then I'd find the voice coaches that these people worked with or whoever it was. Sure. I just I just started started to bring these people sure. around so because right. I just wanted to get better, you know. Right, I, right, right. I, I look back at so much of my work and it's awful. You know, you just <laughs> I'm really I had really? to grow a lot. I still but have to grow a lot. But you were a fucking kid. Yeah, for I mean, a lot of it. But yeah, which it's not uh, like you had great yeah. material to work with. No, but that's how you learn anything. You know, no, that's I how get you learn it. the guitar. You gotta no, mess up it. a ton of times before you get it right. Oh yeah. I had a you like know? I had my own series on IFC and I knew the first couple of seasons I was gonna suck. <laughs> and arguably I sucked for all four. But I mean it doesn't But you, know, you but you get better. You yeah, know? You, you know. Yeah. What gets better is like, yeah, you can train, you can do everything, but ultimately it's like it's a comfort level yeah. in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Well what do you think was what 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 were when you look at your look back at stuff and you're critical of yourself what do you think you're not doing? I get the whole sort mm-hmm. of That's a truthful question. moments and stuff. I think um, I think some of it has to do with the the very simple thing of uh, having an idea of what the scene is. You know, yeah. a, a, this perfect idea of what the scene should yeah. be, right? As though there is some perfect thing out there, as opposed to actually listening and being surprised. That's by, the mistake is thinking yeah, that they're that, you, right. So you sort of pre-plan things, and right. you're not actually listening, and, right? Um, so I mean that's that's one aspect sure. of it. Interesting. The other thing is just self consciousness. You know, like you were the saying, worst, just yeah. being. What do I do with my hands? Yeah, yeah, just watching yourself and not feeling like you're living in an actual space. And, that's tricky, right? Yeah. Because like you know, you think about those things, but, but once you like got that in your head, like you know, this is an actual space. You know, that's my that's my phone over there. Mm. This is where I put my shoes. Mm. You know, all that stuff. But yeah. there, in a second, you can be like, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. Do, you know, so. It it really just you have to put all this stuff in place, but it's not an it, it be 
all of it has to shut off. It's not yeah, active. Yeah. It's just a matter of grounding yourself in this thing. Yeah. Do you have little tricks you do? Like, you know, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to tie my shoe. You know, I'm going <laughs> to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's so many little things like that. Brad Pitt loves to eat. Yeah. He, yeah. It he, helps. It helps. He eats on camera. I, there, it, so many, I got to like, start stealing that. I got to start eating? eating and just everything. I, I worked with Eric Stoltz on my show. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. and he was like, you know, when I got a plate of food in front of me in a scene, I'm like, I'm not touching it. I'll put a little on the fork, <laughs> but I'm not going to, I'm not going to start end up, working. You end up sick by the end of the day. What, but you also end up like, you know, a continuity issue. You're yeah. sort of like, all right, took a bite. Yeah. The, the, yeah. yeah there's, and then you have to have the spit bag and that yeah, goes on yeah. forever. But Stoltz was like, you know, he was into the choreography of eating this thing. Oh, wow. So he could nail it every time. I mean, he yeah. was eating and then like they do another angle and he'd be doing it the same way. That's a pro. Be, right? That's awesome. And Brad must do that too. Yeah, I mean, because he, he he's always eating. Yeah. It, uh, uh, what are your tricks? I've got, I've got one trick. You that get, what's your trick? <laughs> it's going to get tired. Oh, hopefully I'll get more opportunities. <laughs> It's like when I'm walking out of uh, a room or a scene, uh -huh. like if part of it is an exit, I yeah. always turn back. Ooh, give yeah. the one last look. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I've done it That's so many times. Great. I, there's That's not that many. Awesome. I, but I did it in Joker because I only had yeah. this one scene, you know, and it was Amazing. just one of these things. I was very clear of it, like. You know, like, that then, one last look. That's that's good. It's a good one. That's really good. I I had I, Larry Moss told me once that, you know, and I started using this on stage. Yeah. To to, if you're feeling, sort of out of your body. Using, yeah, I mean, you could have your hands in your pockets and yeah. just feel the texture yeah. of of your the cloth right. of your pants or or of the chair. Yeah, just anything that's that's bringing you into get you in the reality, present, right? Into the present. What color are your shoes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, what a good color trick. exactly are your eyes or, or yeah. you know whatever those things are? Yeah. And trying to just take it off yourself and onto something that's tangible. Right, that's good. You know? Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, life practice. Yeah, to get out yeah. of your head. Absolutely. Like, I remember when I first got sober years ago, a million years ago, like, and, and I'd be spiraling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, oddly, well, I don't need to go into backstory, but like the woman I was with who got me sober, uh, who helped me get sober, when I'd be like, fuck, man, I just want to, she'd be like, what color are your shoes? Where are mm. we? I'm like, we're on a subway. What color are your shoes? Brown. And, and it was like this thing. That's that we, great. Yeah. That's really great. I know. It worked yeah, out pretty it good. it brings you right in. I, I believe her current husband co-wrote Elvis. No way. With, uh, with Baz. Jeremy. Jeremy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Small world. He's a good guy, right? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you going to say? <laughs> what am so I going to say? <laughs> but, um, all right, getting back to this, uh, yeah. to this acting business. Mm -hmm. So you're constantly learning. But, like, when you get, what was the process for getting Elvis? Well, so the, the the moment in my life that really changed a lot was, um, so I'd been living in New York. Right. I, I finished that show, came back to yeah. L.A., I immediately went and did this play at the Geffen, and that was my first play. And so I did a play here in L.A., and um, and and I just knew that there was something in theater that would... Because you're only as good as you are that night. You, you can't rest on your laurels. I want to do it. It's it's amazing, and it's such a great experience, um, and you learn so much. Yeah. And so I I, I then I spent time in New York just yeah. meeting with everybody that I could in the theater scene out there, because I knew that I wanted to do a play in New York. Yeah. And um, and then I I did this other TV show, 
And that's right around the time that my mom passed away. Like my mom passed away, and then I went off and I shot this TV show in New Zealand what, what called the Shannara Chronicles, the one that I rode horses in New oh, Zealand yeah, yeah. for. How old were you when your mom passed away? Twenty-three. That's pretty awful. Yeah. How how'd she die? She she got cancer. So it was pro, pro, a protracted thing. Like you you yeah. I, you I was I was actually rehearsing for that play at the Geffen. Yeah. And um and that's when she was diagnosed. Yeah. And then when I finished, but she got to be there for my opening night. She just been out of surgery, so I got to look down at my mom opening night yeah. of that play in L.A. And then, um, and then she came and lived with me after uh, after I finished that play in in here in, in, in L.A. And then and um, it was with me and my partner at the time, and and um, and then she passed away. And then uh, so you care you were caretaker caregiver. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that's such a. How long did it? Did it go on for? It was about six months. Oh my god! Yeah. So, you know, it's weird because this. You know, I I've been talking a lot about grief and loss and stuff, and just that. You know, even if you, it's so much a a part of life. I mean, it. Mm. it, it, Everyone's going to have to deal with it. Yeah. And 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 people don't really talk about it that much. Yeah. But even like to spend that much time knowing that you're you're converging on this Mm. point where where it's not. It's not going to get better. Yeah. I mean, it's just the loss factor, integrating loss is just so, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no way to do it properly. Mm-hmm. There's, and it just, it never goes away, does yeah. it? No, it doesn't. That's, that's something that, you know, often grief sort of seems like a car accident or something that happens, it's traumatic, and then it gets better. Right, right, but it's all... Whereas it's more like waves on a shore. Like some days the waves are strong. That's some right. Some days they're just lapping at the shore, you know. Yeah, you can't shut it down, but you no, can manage it. You can manage it. Uh, you, yeah. you know, and you can choose because it'll come up. You know, it, when you first when it first happens, like you can't stop your crying or you mm-hmm. can't, mm-hmm. you have no real control over it. Yeah. And then, then all of a sudden it's sort of like you feel the intensity of it and you're like, well, you know, I'm in a supermarket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. so like let's not do it in yeah yeah maybe i should wait until i get into the car <laughs> yeah. yeah and then it, it gets a little easier to live with but yeah. sometimes it's not bad to revisit it if you can handle it mm. no, i i i agree because you know it's all part of the integration yeah because I, I also started noticing that i would have after after that grief mm-hmm. after the initial months so so basically I, my mother passed away then yeah. we had her funeral yeah and then the next week i flew off to go start shooting this show oh my and, god um, in new zealand yeah and did so, they ask you like can you do this are you going to be okay or yeah i mean they were very kind yeah and and thoughtful but, yeah but i i just went and i, I went immediately into professional mode okay know? yeah i'm on set and i'm doing my job yeah and I, I'm, I'm trying to do my best but then i go back to the hotel and suddenly now I'm alone on the other side of the world. Oh my god! And the, and the grief was really intense. And the isolation. Yeah, like, the isolation. So I just cry at night, and you know, it was just did kind you call of people, like, but it's different time I, zone. You're in a different time zone. Yeah, it's it's strange. I, it felt very lonely. You know? Yeah, being away is, yeah. is lonely anyways. Yeah, it's weird. It oh my god! So you had to go through all that on your own, really. Yeah, and then and 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 then in that process, then I started to realize that that in order to deal with that grief yeah. i started to put these emotional shock absorbers on yeah you know where where you you're trying to buffer yourself from that searing pain right and yeah. but then it it also dims 
the highs of life. Yeah. And so suddenly you're you're quieting the highs and the lows, and you're living just in that interesting that middle zone. I, I don't. I, I'd be interested to know if you've had any sort of similar experience in your own griefs. But for me, that's what I experienced. And then through through different moments where I would kind of let the release valve go, yeah. and suddenly the, the, I was processing, sort of metabolizing that, yeah. that pain. Right. Then the highs became higher. You know, the trees felt more vibrant when I'd hear them Interesting. Or, or, or see the, yeah. the color of the leaves or whatever it was. So like you um, almost had to do like, a, it was almost like a bipolar trip. You know, like, yeah, you, you know, yeah. because, you know, in order to manage the pain, you had it like sort of, you know, kind of stuff down everything. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. And there's different, there's different things that I, I did, you know, I, Larry Moss actually told me about this, this process called dynamic breath work. Oh, um, that also, sounds like it would make me cry. Yeah. Always. I've never cried harder, man. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's, it's other people call it somatic breath work yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, there's a bunch of different terms for it, but essentially it's just, it's just full breathing. Yeah, because I'm a. I hold my breath. I'm a yeah. breath holder. Yeah, I do. I do too. You do? Yeah. It's weird. I have to remind a, myself. Take to, a deep breath. Isn't it weird when all of a sudden you just realize you're you're not breathing? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? And the difference that you feel in your nervous and system it, when you actually take a breath. Well, yeah, but like it just it makes me want to cry just doing it. Doesn't like yeah. did that feel good to you? It did. It yeah. Did, see, like if I did, a lot that, comes I, up. <laughs> Should we just I, cry right now? <laughs> I could. Yeah, I could too. Um, but you, but. Uh, and how did do you think that? Uh, but you do certainly, you know. I I lost a partner, but losing a parent, there is a. At some point, you realize there's a natural. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, even though it's tragic and horrible, that you know, you start to realize that loss is as human as, as anything else. Birth, yeah. you know, death, and and all of it. Did it make you a spiritual person? I I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I I um. Yeah, because it it helped me to appreciate every living thing, yeah, you know, a, a little bit more, yeah, and and as well as my own life, and and also realizing that I can keep my my mother with me through right. the work that I do, through the way that I treat people, through yeah. the way that I interact with the world you and she know? was a big personality too yeah so she it's was a real... she was one of the most kind people you you would ever meet oh, so yeah. so there's a thing where I I go I want I want to make her proud. I want right. to be right. kind to everybody that I come into oh, contact good. with and just carry her with me in that way. Yeah. It's uh, like yeah. a protection from being a dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's protecting me from that. <laughs> good. Yeah. That's how she looks over you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the voice in my head all the time. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Like, you, 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 know. you, you do hold on to those things that you got from those people that, you know, help shape your life. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what you kind of, for me, that's what I kind of realize when, if I feel too far away from the grief, there's, you know, and I'm not a victim type of dude, but when I feel too far away from it, I, I kind of have check back in with it mm. because it does mean that like, you know, it, you know, if I'm not respecting the gift of that person in my life, yeah. Then, like yeah. you know, who am I? Yeah, that's <laughs> right? that's a really amazing way of putting that, because because that's all that grief is is it's love. Yeah, you know, it's just we love somebody so much, and they're not here. But um, that love's still there. It's the love is still there. Yeah, I talked to Andrew Garfield about that. He oh, lost yeah, his mom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 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 really heavy stuff. 
It really is. So, but that you were 23, but this is, and then do you do more theater? You do, right? Yeah. And that's the thing that really changed my career. It was the Denzel thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw you thank, thank him. Yeah. And I didn't know why. Oh, yeah. And I did some reading and you can just learn why. <laughs> yeah. The Google will tell us. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I did a, so that was after I finished that. So my, my mom passed away. I yeah. went off and I shot that TV show. Yeah. And while there's, there's a huge audience of people that loved that show. Yeah. Um, I had a great time shooting it. Artistically, I wasn't necessarily doing the things that I was, I was, um, wasn't challenging you. Yeah. You yeah. Know, you know what I mean? And, um, and so I finished and I, I, I then just decided to take a lot of time off. Really? And I took about eight months where I, I just, I just kept saying no to auditions. I didn't go out for anything. Were you dealing, were you processing grief still? I think that's when the processing came in. Yeah. And there was a lot of days of me just not wanting to wake up in the morning, you know? Yep. It was just, you know, I'm just sleeping yeah. the day away. And then eventually my, uh, my agent called me and said that Denzel was doing Iceman Cometh on Broadway. Yeah. And it and the the inspiration just shot out through me. I knew that that I needed to go after it with every fiber of my being, and so I I, I taped for this play, and then I flew out to New York and I, I met for it, and then I ended up doing this play, and and that it changed my career and it changed my life because of uh, how it was received and it kind of it, it was put you on the map in a different way. There, there's the that, real deal now. There, there's there's definitely that. There's yeah. the, the perception that yeah. Um, you know, it comes from the outside, but even more so, it was the things that I proved to myself. You know, the the fear that I experienced in going on stage. Uh, you know, with Denzel Washington, that dude is a hero. monster, dude. He's a titan. Yeah, he, he he's the Godfather. You know, so to be on stage with him and holding your own, and and, and yeah, try to hold my own as well as I could. Yeah. Um, it, it forces, it's like playing tennis with the greatest tennis player, you know, sure. it forces you to have to get better. So I, I showed up to the first table read and I'd memorized the entire four hour play because I'd spent months, you know, I, I, I gave some money to a friend of mine and I said, will you just help me just read this play every yeah. day? So I showed up to the table read and, and I just, I didn't even look at my script and I just wanted to, I wanted to come out with, I just wanted to throw all my chips no, on the table. I don't, you know? I don't know the play because I'm, I'm, uh, you know, a Rue, uh, I'm, I, I don't know. It's O'Neill, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like a big one. And, yeah. it, and your part was like always there. Like, I mean, are you in every scene type of deal? Are yeah, you all... he's in, he's in most scenes. Okay. And, and it's, um, it's a part that Jeff Bridges actually played when he was quite young and, and, um, and, uh, yeah, so, it, and I'd had an acting teacher tell me the Iceman Cometh is That's it. like the Mount Everest of theater. You know, it's such a challenging play. Um, and So you knew it all when you got there. Yeah, yeah, I just, I was terrified. So I just did everything. You had know. you made choices around the character? Were you doing, were you ready at that yeah, first table yeah, read? Yeah, which like was interesting because Denzel, he, he, he talked about that, how, you know, if you, if you memorized almost too much, you can get to a point where you're you're in a groove, yeah. you know, and and then you can't get out of that. Yeah. And so there were certain things that I had to unlearn from that time, because I just was so terrified. He that told was, you that. Yeah, yeah. During rehearsal. During rehearsal, because he came in and he he hadn't memorized the play. He hadn't. No. And so then he was memorizing as he was going on, and then I got to watch him, you know, do an entire rehearsal where he held a chair over his head, or he would he would just 
basically try out every option. Huh. Try the things that don't work so that way you know what does work. Interesting. And um, Another and acting it, class. It was really, yeah, Some the best acting class shit, I could yeah. ever imagine. Watching that. Because you're watching him, and, and that thing that I was talking about earlier, you're realizing he could do the same scene a hundred different ways and each one of them are brilliant. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Because it might just be a subtle difference, but it's it's newly alive. It's it's got so much power. But does he lock in eventually? N- I mean, certain things maybe would would be the same. How many how many shows did you do? We I don't even know. I'd have to look that up. But, but it ran a long time. Yeah, we, we went for you know I think it was six months in total with rehearsal and then into uh, the play. Okay, so you're doing this every night with him, yeah. and it's always surprising. Always surprising. Wow. Yeah. Keeps you on your toes. It really huh? does. So this is what kind of puts you on the map. Yeah. And then what, Elvis came shortly after? Well, then it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I, I, oh, right. I, I booked that while I was doing the play. So I, I had Mondays off, and I put myself on tape for Quentin on, a, on Saturday. How deep did you get into the Manson rabbit hole? I mean, I, I, went, I went pretty deep once, I, once yeah. I started, once I finished the play and started prepping for uh, that. Yeah. That's, that's a dark road to go down. Sure, man. Yeah. yeah. But you get to know all the people. You get to know <laughs> all the people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then it was strange when we filmed on Cielo Drive, you know. Sure, man. And you're walking up that street and it, we're filming in August and it's the same weather that was outside and that's trippy. But that house is gone. The house is gone. Because I've been to the house that was there. It was some oh, showrunner. Really? Yeah. At the end of Cielo, at the Tate place. Or yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, well, was there's a house up there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, it's big. Yeah. Yeah, it's a showrunner guy. It's yeah, Saget's yeah. friend. Yeah, I, I went to a party there once. Oh, yeah, okay. but they leveled the the other place. They leveled know? it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they did. Uh, you put yourself on tape for Quentin, and yeah. that's what got you the thing? Yeah, so that got me into the audition room with him. Yeah. So then, they, then he said, you know, I want you to fly out on your day off. So I flew out. I finished the play on Sunday. Wow. Flew out to L.A., went met with quentin yeah i had two other meetings that same day that i did not make it to yeah because they take your phone away when you show up to quentin's office yeah. so that way you can't take a picture of the script i didn't even know what character i was auditioning for oh so what and was what was how'd you put yourself on tape I, they gave they gave scenes from another scene in the film oh from the uh the western part of the film you know as timothy oliphant's character oh, yeah, yeah 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 um and so they wanted me to tape myself as as the good guy and the bad guy. Okay. So I did the scene twice, and I I played one role, and then I played the other. Right. I, I put myself on tape for those, but I had I had no time, so I actually recorded the other lines, and then just acted to a mark on the wall. Uh huh. And that was the audition <laughs> yeah. tape. You can't tell when you watch the tape, really. Yeah. But that's how I recorded myself. Recording. Oh, wild! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I didn't have another actor with right, me. I, I right. I couldn't find somebody. I had to go to the play that night, so yeah. I, I said, you know, I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw my hat in the ring. Right. And I did, and then, and then uh, it ended up being. It was actually um, James who who ends up becoming Clem. Yeah. It was the two of us went and and we were auditioning for that part. In, yeah. Uh, in Quentin's office. And then he had all the girls who were at the Manson clan and mixed and matched us yeah. from about nine in the morning until he gave me the part that day, you know, later, right. later on that day. Wow. And then I flew back to the to the theater. Um, so you knew, you nailed it. It's, it's, it's nice that he told you. Yeah, most often you don't feel, you don't hear the same day. Yeah, and you, sometimes you don't hear for like a week or two and then you're yeah, like, you oh, you hear, hear for months. Yeah, you didn't get that. That was, uh, that went to some. Yeah, that went another uh, way. Uh, yeah. Well, that's great, man. So that yeah. worked out. That worked out all right. 
Yeah, I love that movie. I watch it again, and you get to work, kind of work with your heroes. That's well, yeah. certainly Brad, but yeah. and, but I mean, I, I, and you I met Leonardo, I imagine. Met Leonardo. Yeah, I got to you know have one moment where he screams at me in the car. Oh know? right, that's right. Yeah, when yeah. he's like, "Get out!" You he's drinking these. the margarita yeah, and, with that blender. <laughs> yeah. <That's, laughs> when he decided to drink out of the blender, I thought it was so brilliant. I remember Quentin laughing hysterically. Yeah, that was his choice. Yeah, that was that was Leo. It, just out in the street with the blender. Yeah, with the it was blender. Hilarious. Yeah. That's funny, Amazing. man. That, and Brad was riffing those those yeah. some of those. Resp- so you shot that a lot to you know kind of get the yeah. riff going. Yeah, it's very funny. Yeah. So you do that, and then and then Elvis comes. Yeah. So I, I filmed. I filmed. Yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. And I did this film with Jim Jarmusch called The Dead Don't Die. And then, um, What's the, how how do I not know about that movie? I, I don't know. I gotta I watch know. it. I like that guy. I, I love Jim. I haven't seen. I'd that. do anything for Jim. Yeah. And this film, I mean, it's it's Bill Murray and Adam Driver and Tilda Swinton and. Um, I gotta watch that. Yeah. What you, I'm way out of the loop, man. It's uh, yeah. This powerhouse actors. They're they're great actors. Cool um, cast. Yeah. What's the story? It's, it's sort of a a zombie film. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Where you where you don't. You don't see a lot of the things that you would usually see in zombie films. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah so, All right, I'll I'll check yeah, it out. Yeah. I might I might have got I, I I don't remember, but then I don't remember a lot of things. I don't remember knowing about it. Yeah. So it, you do that. So I did that as well, and then and then um, but then then I took some time off again. Yeah. And then the audition for Elvis came up. So how'd that go? It was a long process. I uh, I got a call that Baz was making the film. Yeah. And I, I, there was one of those moments where, you know, there's certain times where you just, you just know that it's, it's a once in a lifetime experience. Sure. This is the role of a lifetime. Yeah. If, if it goes poorly, I'll probably never work again. Yeah. But if it goes well, this, this could be something very special. If what goes poorly, the audition? No, no, the if, movie. if making this, if, sure. you know, if, if you play it. Elvis. And you fuck and, it and up. Yeah, it, <laughs> that's tough, really bad. Yeah, you stakes know? And, are high. And there's so many ways in which it can go wrong. Of course. There's so many traps. Because when you deal with known people, yeah, how are you going to, like, it's, it's tricky, man. Yeah. Because people know the guy. Well, so the, the actual audition, the way that it, that it worked was, um, I, so I, you know, I hear he's making the film. Yeah. I, I start preparing for it, you know, because I, I, I knew that I had some time because he still didn't know who was going to play Parker right. at that time. So, yeah. so I knew that he, he, I had some time yeah. as he was trying to figure out who was going to play Parker. And so I started just preparing as though I was going to play the part and right. watched every documentary and read every book and started listening to every one of Elvis's songs in chronological You read that Goldman book? Yeah, yeah, it's huh. great. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then, you know, listen to the archives of his interviews and everything. And, um, and it just sort of felt like a detective, you know, trying yeah. to find the truth of whoever Elvis was as a human. Yeah. And... Um, and in that process, I learned certain things like Elvis's mom passed away when he was 23. Right. That's the exact same age I was when my mom died. And so there was these certain things that suddenly made him a real person to me. Oh, that's interesting. You know, so that, it wasn't so much that the relationship with with your mother was similar to his, but the fact that you both lost your mothers yeah, gave but, you an emotional point of reference. Yeah. Where I, I, I knew the truth of what he had At the same age, yeah. At the exact same right. age. Right. 
and he was very close with his mom. I was I was extremely close to my mom. So there was there was things that he was strangely close to. Well, he was one psychologist called him lethally enmeshed. Yes, you know they they were they were incredibly, Mm. and and because from a young age, he was he was all he was oscillating between being the child and then being the caregiver. Right. So even at three years old, people would say that they would watch him run around like a lightning bolt to the house, and then come up to his mother and pet her and say, "Can I get you anything? Can I get you anything? Do you want water?" So he would care for his mother, but then he would be the child, and there's that back and forth sort of thing. Well, Um, uh, yeah, bordering on creepy. Well, yeah, (laughs) a little bit. One could say. Yeah. So, Um, so you're doing all this prep. Yeah. And and how does the audition go? Well, then, then I, I sent Baz a tape of me singing Unchained Melody. Yeah. Um, and that resonated with him, you know. Uh, and then, and then I, I went into Denise, our, our casting director, and we read a couple scenes and sent him a tape of me doing the scenes. And you're doing the accent, you're doing, you're deep in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm doing my best yeah, to, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. try to do everything. And, right. And then he, um, and then he said, you know, I want you to fly to, New York and and meet with me here and so I went and met him at his house in New York and we just talked for hours and we talked for about three hours about life and Elvis and all these different yeah. things and um and then and then he said you want to come in tomorrow and read some scenes from the script yeah and and maybe sing a song and so I came in the next day to his office in Brooklyn and and uh, and we read and we just sat down with the script and just read yeah and then uh, and then I sang don't be cruel or something like right. that. And then he said, why don't you come in tomorrow and uh, we'll read some more of the script and yeah. you can maybe sing Suspicious Minds. Right. So then that night I went Different home. Different age. I, I start practicing Suspicious Minds all night. And yeah. I, I was also not a singer before this. So, so I'm, you know, I just was trying to do my best to sing yeah. as closely as possible. And so that process went on for five months. With you us, and Baz. Of us just kind of, you know, and some, we may go a week without seeing each other. Right. And he'd say, you want to come in and yeah. maybe try this scene? Yeah. And so we just kept chipping away because there was a lot of questions of, you know, at that time I was 27, I'm 31 now. Um, we, we, there was the question of, can I play older Elvis? You know, is that even possible? Will it but be the one thing he knew, all? you know, at the, from the get go was like, mm. this guy kind of looks like him. I guess there was enough of a similarity, right? You know, because like you, you know, you got to be close. You got to be close enough, yeah. Right? Yeah. So like, and, and I think it was, you know, then experience, you know, filling the gaps of your capacity mm. in his mind, like you know, by challenging it with all these different songs, different ages, you yeah, know? and different different temperaments. Yeah, you know? he was reminding me the other day of of he wanted um, in the rehearsal. He had me do this scene where I, where I get angry, yeah, you know, at at Parker around the time that uh, th- that he's trying to take my money, yeah. and and everything. So he gave at that time he, he had the idea of me pulling a gun on him, and and so he gave me a hairbrush, and we're doing this, and and so I just came out with everything that I had, and a lifetime's worth, yeah, lifetime's worth of, <laughs> of aggression, yeah. was able to come out in that, and. That was something about Elvis that you that you learn when you read a lot about him is that when when he had a temper, yeah, his whole demeanor changed. You yeah, know? I mean, he he could go from being very sweet and then having quite a fire. Yeah, all temper. that all that energy that goes you into know, that charisma going yeah. into anger. You know, it's, yeah. So that was so we so we we just tried to find. Yeah. you know, he he tried to just push me in every way. Yeah, um, 
Yeah. And then when how when when did you know you got it? I mean, how many months? Six it, months. It was it was five months of rehearsing and then a screen test. And the day of the screen test, he changed everything. I was supposed to sing three songs, and he changed the three songs the day of. So suddenly, I'm singing songs I never practiced before. But he, you know, he him. changed the scenes. Yeah. No, I didn't even know. I mean, I I knew the song, but, right? But he suddenly, I wasn't supposed to sing Tutti Frutti, but instead, he, he had me Richard, sing Little yeah. Richard's Tutti Frutti, and um, and so I, I thought the screen test went poorly. Why do you think he did that? Uh, I I think he was preparing me and also testing me to see how I would be under that type of pressure. Ah, interesting. Um, because he, he, I often say that Baz is the closest thing to a jazz musician and right. director I've ever seen. Yeah. Because the amount of preparation he puts in and everybody yeah. around him puts in is, is years worth of an, an incredible attention to detail when it comes to oh, preparation. Oh yeah, it's like the whole thing is like a, a hallucination almost. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect with the movie. I went with my dad and his wife, and they'd already seen it twice in Albuquerque. Wow. And I had no idea what to expect, wow. you know, from the movie. You know, I like Elvis as much as the next guy. Wow. Uh, and uh, But, like, right from the get-go, the idea that it's shot from the point of view of, you know, uh, this horrendous Colonel Parker, yeah, yeah. I thought was a, an, in, an interesting thing, that the, yeah. the two points of view are Elvis and, and, and the Colonel, right? Yeah. And and how they sort of engage with each other yeah. throughout. And then Colonel's this kind of horrendous man. Mm. And I had and all that I loved all that carny shit and all that stuff. Mm. But yeah. like it just right from the get-go, it becomes this uh all uh, encompassing experience. Yeah. You know, musically, visually, almost like a almost like a dream. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. And and that's I mean, Baz is Baz talks a lot about how he he didn't want to just make a film about the life of Elvis you Presley. You can't do it. He, he he often compares it to Amadeus because he loved that film yeah. so much. And Amadeus isn't just about Mozart. It's about jealousy. Yes. It's about why did you put, God, why did you put that, talent in that man yeah. when I've done everything right? Right. And so with this, it was, it was an exploration of, of America in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, yeah. the parallels between those times and today. Yeah. It was also about the the cell and the, yeah. the soul oh interesting. you know yeah. the, the the idea of we have a lot of sort of carnival barkers yeah. in society these days in high places right selling us all these things yeah the, and the big taking grift. away from the soul yeah know? oh interesting yeah. so that was and he he informed you of all this yeah yeah after you got the part well so you, i mean we talked from day one about these things interesting you know that that was it was you know it was this sort of movement through a life yeah. that brought in everything that america is yeah. through these different decades yeah and through this guy mm. you know who is uniquely and and a celebrated american artist yeah. yeah so so you get the part after that screen test what is how is it what's the phone call well like? the phone call was so after a week of of just freaking out me going back and forth thinking either i did not get the part oh after all that time after five months wow. where I, I didn't audition for anything else during that time i threw all my eggs in yeah, this yeah, one basket yeah, yeah. so either i didn't get the part and i've got to be okay with that i've yeah. got to be able to say you know i got five months of getting to work with one of my favorite filmmakers yeah or i get the part and i got to go to work immediately because it's going, like training to playing the super bowl sure. or something yeah um and so i a week goes by and then he called me and baz sort of has a flair for the dramatic yeah so he sounded sort of downcast and he yeah. said austin I, I just wanted to be the first one to call you and say 
are you ready to fly, Mr. Presley? <laughs> and it felt yeah. really, it felt really good. And then immediately when we got off the phone, I called my dialect coach and singing coach and movement coach and everybody. Yeah. And I, I just said, let's get to work today. Really? Yeah. Oh, all so right. you, you immediately just get to work with all these people that were helping you put together the audition. Yeah. The dialect. Yeah. Who's the dialect coach? Uh, so I, I worked with a number of different people. But, no kidding. But yeah, yeah. I, I, Tim Monick. I mean, he. he and then he started introducing me yeah. to other people. You needed a team of dialect people yeah, to maintain so, uh, Elvis. There was, a, there was a wonderful guy in New York named Eric Singer who helped really? me a lot. Um, Charmian Gradwell was in Australian with uh, in Australia with me. And, well, that's right. You shot it all in Australia, uh, and yeah. like right when COVID started, right? Yeah, and yeah. then didn't Tom and Rita get Tom COVID? Tom sort of kicked it off. Yeah, he was the patient zero. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was we. We were. I think that happened on a Friday possibly and we were meant to start shooting on monday but that's like at the beginning this must have been terrifying yeah didn't it did everyone freak out how did that yeah. affect the set where were you starting in well, the story we were we so the day that we found out we were rehearsing the scene in which uh, it's in vegas and parker's leading elvis around the uh the the vegas showroom right you know so all the girls are coming up and kissing right me oh yeah and so that's what we're rehearsing. Yeah. We're walking around all these people. And then the next morning, they say, don't come into the studio. And I, I thought, what's going on? And yeah. I was supposed to be there at nine in the morning or something. So then I, I'm getting coffee and then Baz calls me yeah. and says, I just got to tell you something's going to come out. Um, but uh, I, th I think Tom has COVID. And, uh, and at that time, we didn't know what it was at all. So there were no protocols in place? Not at that point. Wow. No, it was okay. it was terrifying. Right. Because we didn't know how how dangerous. But, but it I can't was remember it. So so no one. The news wasn't out about COVID. People hadn't no, started well, dying. People yet. people. I don't know if people had started dying. But, right. But maybe maybe. I, uh, what I know is that it was becoming a concern. Right. Somebody in our building had tested positive. Right. And so it felt very close. Right. And then and then suddenly Tom tested positive yeah and so i and i had been with him that's the, the day that he and i bonded the most was yeah. the day before he tested positive oh my god where he and i are whispering yeah, for right. inches away and we're we're hugging each other and bonding and yeah you know talking about the scene and everything and so so then they they quarantined me for two weeks but you didn't get it i didn't get it yeah um did you ever I, get it i did i, yeah. I got it in london uh, when I when I finished Elvis and I, I was Isn't that weird? Like there. you do, yeah. you get through the the worst of it, yeah. and then you get it, and you're like, yeah. it's weird. It, it's kind of a relief in a fucked up way you when get, you finally yeah yeah experience get it out that. of the way. Yeah. yeah, you kind of get it out of the way, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I uh, yeah. Okay, so but how does that affect the set? How do you make adjustments before knowing what protocols were? How does the fucking studio react to that shit? Well, what happened was we so. We're all quarantined for two weeks. For two weeks, and then I thought, okay, we got two weeks to prep, and then we'll go sure. back to shooting. Yeah, and then I didn't even turn on the news during those during the first part of those two weeks. Yeah, and then I turned on the news about a week and a half in. Yeah, and I saw what was happening, and suddenly that sort of post-apocalyptic feeling of yeah. people not, you know, yeah, having people, toilet paper in the grocery yeah, oh, stores right. and stuff. And I started seeing start that dropping dead, man. New York, yeah. like everyone, like and then and then you start hearing about the deaths, and yeah. then suddenly it felt very real. And yeah, then, and then they called force majeure on our film. Oh shit! And then so that means they don't have to pay anybody. That right. means that uh, yeah, corporate cards are shut down. 
So they said, we're going to ship you back to L.A. I'd been preparing for a year at this point. So it seemed like the project was going to die. It seemed like it could die. And so at that point, they were going to fly me back to L.A. And I had the flight booked. I started packing. And then I thought, wow. if I go back, all the, Got your Elvis all the momentum that I have of yeah. preparation yeah. is going to be lost. Yeah. Because suddenly now I'll be going out to dinner in yeah. Los Angeles. And, yeah. I, and I thought, I just... You're ready to lock I, in. You're I, on I'm, set. I'm locked in. Yeah. So why don't we just... Uh, so I stayed. So I paid for my own apartment. I stayed in Australia. Um, With Baz. I, I, yeah. I mean, we weren't living together. Right. But, no, but yeah, yeah. Baz stayed in Australia. Um, but everybody else went back. Wow. Yeah. So and what did you do? You just... I, like, you guys just, just doubled kept you down. in it? I just doubled down. And I... I, I, I you know, at that point, I had had so many months of working with incredible people, yeah. dialect coaches, singing sure. coaches, but, karate but, but instructor. What was, the, what was the plan with Basil? You were just going to like stay in, in, in the zone yeah. until he figured it out? Yeah. How to yeah, get it back of, on its feet? Well, it was, it was, we kind of needed to wait it out. We didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and I mean, at that time, we thought maybe it shuts down for a month or two. Right. And then, and then at a certain point, that they said it'll be at least six months, and it turned out to be six months that we shut down production. And then they figured and, out how uh, to the mask and how to yeah, they created and, a protocol. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then and, you guys um, went back. Yeah, so I just prepped during that time. And, and I, you did t you know, sort of testing every three days, masks, yeah, yeah, that kind of shit, all that kind of stuff. Zones of masks. Yeah, we tested every day. Every day. Yeah. Wow, man. Zones and yeah, and it's like, it, you know what I found, because we did two Leslie in the middle of that, was that it actually, because the only time you're not masked is when you're in, the, when mm. action is called. Yeah. The intensity of things. Isn't that true? Right. Yeah. It just, it's like, it elevates everything because Completely. you're actually having the only maskless human experiences yeah. Yeah. that you are allowed to have Absolutely. when you're doing the scene. Yeah wild it's it, that's when you're seeing a human face that's right in its entirety yeah so it's like light it well i'll be honest with you i think you did a, a great job and the reason that like through the whole arc of the thing and i i love the movie you know some people like my, I, I know musicians are like well you know they didn't quite get it right it's like who gives a fuck <laughs> this is like you know this is not you know this is a, this is a, an experience of of elvis of america i mean i got all that but the fucked up thing that that really kind of like and i thought you did a great job and i'm a critical you know, I'm a guy like, you know, he's going to fuck up Elvis. How are you going to do Elvis? I'm like, he's fucking doing Elvis, this guy. He's really doing it. He's living Elvis. But the part that really, oddly, the part that really nailed it for me, I was already convinced, but it's like, I couldn't tell the difference between you and fat Elvis at the end. <laughs> like, wow. I was like, is that the guy or is that Elvis? Wow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm sure people have said that to you. Yeah. They have? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, is that, what, what's going on? Is that who... But but they were going back and forth between real footage, weren't they? Well, at the very I, at end, the, at the very end, it switches. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Something on my mind, though. You know, I mean, you guys did the the Golden Globes, and, and Lisa Marie died like the day after, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was with within I think two days. What was that, what? How was the family to work with him? How, how did you go to the funeral and stuff? I did. Because, yeah. I mean, did you feel like she wasn't well? Uh, no. I, you didn't I, I didn't expect it at all. Oh, my God. It, it, it was so horrible. Shock. It was horrible. 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 How's Priscilla doing? I, I mean, 
the grief is is strong, you yeah. know. But she's such a strong woman, yeah. And she's been handling it in in a way of being this this woman who's got to hold the entire family together, you know. Yeah. And, and as well as the legacy of Elvis and now of Lisa Marie and um, the things that she's had to go through in her life are unfathomable. Yeah. You know? Are um, you guys close now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they feel that they they open their hearts like family to me. Um, they believed which, in the movie, and you can tell that the love yeah. was there, you know what I mean? And, and they weren't involved in the making of the yeah. film. It was only after they saw it, you know? Oh, really? That's, that's the part that really touched me a lot. Really? Was we were so scared when they were going to watch the film because they didn't see anything. They didn't read the scripts before, you know, Priscilla read a very early draft, uh -huh. but they didn't know what the film was going to be, and so... I really thought they they could watch it and not be like, like it. Yeah, and I hadn't seen the film at that point, so yeah. I let them watch it first. So they watched it, and then and and it meant a lot to them, you know. Yeah, and and um, so the first time I met Lisa Marie, she just we we felt as though we knew each other. Wild dude. from before because yeah. I'd I'd done these scenes as her father yeah. saying goodbye to little Lisa Marie. Yeah. Suddenly now I'm looking at oh, actual man. adult Lisa Marie, and we just both got tears in our eyes. And she gave me the biggest hug, and she said, "I want to go talk to you." And so we just talked and talked and talked for hours. And yeah, she took me up into his bedroom, and we just we we just sat on his bed and at just Graceland at Graceland, and it was um you know I mean. Those are the things that are the biggest gift of this whole thing for me. Yeah. Are moments like that. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I never felt so so close to somebody so quickly as I wow. did with Lisa Marie. Well, you like, yeah. yeah. I mean, it must have been a trip for her. Yeah. I mean, because you were, you know, I think the experience, because it was so authentic and and well-conceived and, and, and emotionally correct— that it must have been just a complete, almost mind fuck, mm. you know, for her yeah. to to have almost like to ha to to get back into that emotional groove of when she was like a kid, mm. right? I can't imagine what that experience what a trip, must be man. like, and especially with all the misconceptions around her dad, you know, and yeah. around that life and the, the the either idolizing him as somebody who's who's larger than a human. Or, or thought of as a Halloween costume, you right? Know, it's kind of he, he ceases to be human in a lot of people's eyes. Of course, eyes. he's a myth, and and that's why you know having those moments where she she told me the stories of him just being dad. Yeah, know? it's great, and that that's the most special thing. To yeah, what a great thing to to have yeah. in your life to have experienced. I mean, I the weird thing about Graceland is I went there when I was younger, and it's it's not that huge a place no it's a home <laughs> it is yeah. like you know you're like this is it the mansion's like yeah. and then he's got that giant shed out back <laughs> for the awards right yeah, yeah. the award shed yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it yeah yeah well great talking to you man good it's work so good talking and, to you and, uh, too good luck on the big night thank you so much yeah pal thank you there we go we covered it man that was fun I think he, he I think I, I think I pulled him out of the accent a bit. I think I made him aware of it and he got back to who he is. Elvis is streaming on HBO Max if you want to watch it. Hang out for a second, people. Hey folks, this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. 
I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. You know all those times you've heard guests sneeze on the show. Well, actually, you don't hear any of that because we cut the sneezes out when we're editing. But take my word for it, people definitely sneeze in here, and when they they do, I've got a box of Kleenex on the table right in front of them so they can use one and get right back to business. And here's what Kleenex means to me, a tissue that will hold up. We've all used those other tissues that you blow holes right through. When I see Kleenex, I know that tissue is up for the job. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Okay. If you want to hear more stories about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you can go directly to the source. Go listen to episode 1239 with Quentin Tarantino, where he talks all about the movie, including a story that has to do with me. Early on, uh, I investigated the idea of Jennifer Lawrence. Yes. Playing Squeaky. Yeah. And so she came down to the house. Yeah. To uh, read the script because I wasn't letting it out. Yeah. So she came down to the house and I just gave her the script. Okay, let's right. go in my living yeah. room or go outside by the pool and read it. And so she read it, and then afterwards we talked about it a little bit. And she was interested in doing, but then something it didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, but she's a very nice person. I like yeah. her, and I respect her as an actress. But she actually she goes, uh, "Can I just make a recommendation? All right, for somebody to cast?" And I go, "Oh yeah, sure. I, you know that agent guy that talks to Rick at the beginning? Why don't you cast Mark Maron for that? Oh. I think he would be really, really good." I was like, "Well, I'm actually kind of thinking that Marvin Schwartz should be like." significantly older than yeah, Mark yeah, Maron, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I actually see what you mean. Yeah. Oh. If he was, if he wasn't, if I, if I wasn't basing it on an older, that older sure. a fellow, yeah, sure. he could do, do a good job with that part. Oh, that is very nice. <laughs> That's episode 1239, and it's available in the free feed wherever you're listening to this episode. If you want all WTF episodes ad-free, sign up for WTF Plus by clicking the link in the episode description or going to WTFPod.com and clicking WTF Plus. For full Marin subscribers, we've got another episode of Good Morning Geniuses, our look back at Morning Sedition. This time, I'm joined in the garage by Dan Pashman, host of the Sporkful podcast and creator of Strange Pasta Shapes. We'll post that tomorrow. On Thursday, the last of our Oscar nominee conversations with Hong Chow, who was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for The Whale. Here we go. This is the thing I did on the guitar.
Monkey and LaFonda. Cat angels, cat angels, cat angels everywhere. That's close, man. That's close. I only screwed up once. Oh, my God. 